One thing that makes the UFC unique in comparison to other sports leagues is its ability to decide championship matchups. In the NFL, the teams that made it to the Super Bowl made it to the Super Bowl. Roger Goodell can't suddenly decide the Steelers are better for business. He can't create an interim Super Bowl to boost ratings. As such, not all UFC title fights are created equal. And today we're going to take a look at 10, be they for interim or undisputed gold, that were utterly pointless. Whether it was thrown together to save a card, a blatant business decision, or the promotion being short-sighted, the result was the winners taking home completely hollow gold. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 most meaningless title victories in UFC history. Number 10. Robert Whittaker vs. Yoel Romero Never has there been a more meaningful, meaningless title than the one that Robert Whittaker earned for defeating Yoel Romero. It's no fault of the fighters, these circumstances were just a mess. After a shock win at UFC 199, Michael Bisbee now stood atop the middleweight division, and much to the dismay of the ravenous top 10, his first title defense would be against a man outside of it in Dan Henderson. More on that later in this video. A few months after his first defense, it was announced that George St. Pierre would be coming out of exile and wanted to fight Bisbee for middleweight gold. Two months after that, the fight was apparently off, and Robert Whittaker was being lined up for the next title challenge. But due to a nagging knee injury, Bisping passed on the fight, something that drew criticism as fans felt he was waiting for his GSP payday. Apparently, the UFC wanted St. Pierre ready for International Fight Week UFC 213, but he wanted to wait until November. With Bisping and GSP unavailable, the UFC decided to make an interim title for that 213 card between Whitaker and Romero. It was an all-time classic bout with Bobby Knuckles coming out on top despite shredding his knee in the first round. Afterwards, Bisping came to the cage and made a big fuss throwing down his own belt for some reason, but it was all theater. That November, the champ would get his GSP dream fight, and after St. Pierre won the title, things just got wonkier. Citing colitis, GSP vacated the strap, upgrading Whitaker to undisputed middleweight champion. Sadly, though, Robert's first ever actual defense of that belt would be in his loss to Israel Adesanya. The second Romero fight didn't count as a defense as Yoel missed weight. It was a big mess, and Bobby Knuckles deserved better than that interim title. Number 9. Tony Ferguson vs. Kevin Lee it can't be overstated how much Conor McGregor muddied up the lightweight title picture over the course of 511 days. After the champ champ did what the fuck he wanted and decided that he would take a hiatus from the cage to have a $180 million dance with Floyd Mayweather, the division was in a bit of a rough spot. Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov were clear top contenders with no gold to fight for. So after just four months, the UFC intended to pair them up in an interim title fight. But the bout was canceled when Habib was hospitalized during his weight cut. Now, mind you, this was the third time they'd tried making a fight between these two, so there was some frustration there. Rather than setting it up again, the UFC made Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee at UFC 216 for the interim belt. Not a horrible fight, Lee was on an impressive five-fight win streak, but the number one and number two guys were clearly Habib and Tony, making the gold feel hollow. Ferguson would go on to win in the third round via a triangle choke, but then things really fell apart. At UFC 223, Tony and Habib were scheduled yet again, this time for undisputed gold. But Ferguson famously tripped on a production cable and was forced out. His interim title stripped alongside Connor's real one, and instead Nurmagomedov would fight number 11 ally Aquinta for the lightweight championship after his other potential opponents were either incapacitated by McGregor attacking the fighter's bus on media day, deemed medically unfit like Max Holloway, wanted more money, or couldn't make championship weight. Al didn't make title weight either, but the UFC said should he win, they would consider him the champion even if the commissions did not. What an absolute dumpster fire. Habib would go on to win luckily, and lightweight has been smooth sailing ever since. I'm just kidding, it's still a giant mess. Number 8. Demetrius Johnson vs. Tim Elliott 
By the time Demetrius Johnson had defeated Henry Cejudo at UFC 197, it was pretty evident that there wasn't much in the way of challenge for Mighty Mouse at flyweight. The champ had just earned his eighth straight title defense, and it didn't look like anyone would be catching up with him anytime in the near future. With waning interest by fans, the UFC was looking for a solution to bring life back into 125 pounds. What they came up with was their answer to all problems, a season of The Ultimate Fighter. But this time, it would be top talent from outside organizations competing for the opportunity to be Johnson's next foe. Which is fine in theory, champions from around the world, it sounds like a video game. The problem is, if these outside champions are so great, why weren't they in the UFC competing for titles in the first place? Don't get me wrong, there are organizations with talent comparable to the UFC, but Titan Fighting, Shudo, Tachi Palace, and Alaska Fighting Championship aren't the likeliest candidates. That said, some great talent came from the show. Brandon Moreno, Alejandra Pantoja, and Kaikara France. The unlikely winner of the season was Tim Elliott, who was cut from the UFC in 2015 after losing three straight. Strangely, though, the Darce Elliott would secure in the first round was arguably the most troubled DJ had ever been in in a title fight. But beyond that, it was smooth sailing for the champ in a victory that felt like a foregone conclusion before the bout even took place. Number 7. Colby Covington vs. Rafael Dos Anjos what makes this particular interim title fight so bad is that it wasn't thrown together on short notice to save an event like some of these other ones. Its pointlessness was planned out. Originally slated for the pay-per-view previous, Colby Covington vs. Rafael Dos Anjos for the interim welterweight title would serve as the co-main event for UFC 225 in June of 2018. The champion Tyron Woodley had been out for eight months, but he'd been in four title fights the previous two years and gave every indication he was planning on returning to the cage just a month after 225 would take place, really taking away from the meaning of that interim gold. Covington would out-wrestle, outland, and outpace RDA to earn the unanimous decision victory. Now, while entirely meaningless given the champion's imminent return, at least it would force an opponent, and there was serious history between Covington and Woodley. That would have been the case if the two ever fought for the undisputed title because they didn't. Since T-Wood was ready to go, the UFC wanted a quick turnaround from Colby, UFC 228 in early September, but the interim champ couldn't make the date because of a scheduled sinus surgery, and so just a few months after he earned the meaningless title, it was stripped of him when Woodley took on Darren Till at 228 instead. Not that that stopped Covington from carrying it around all the time, after it was stripped. I think he still does, actually. Number 6. Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis the most recent paper title on our list is truly one ply thin. UFC 265 was originally to be headlined by Francis Ngannou's first title defense against Derek Lewis in Houston at the Toyota Center on August 7th. The Black Beast only getting the opportunity as the UFC couldn't get the deal done to have John Jones move up from light heavyweight to challenge Ngannou in what would have been one of the biggest fights of all time. Having Lewis headline then in Houston was a no-brainer alternative, and considering his four-fight win streak, it made sense if we couldn't get the JBJ fight we all wanted. Then, out of the clear blue fuck in late June, it was announced that the champ was out, and in his place would be former teammate Cyril Gaon in an interim title match with the H-Town Slugger. Ngannou had only won his title less than five months previous, and he wasn't even injured. He simply needed a bit more time to train. How much more time? A month. He just needed a damn month. But hey, the promotion already booked Houston, and you better believe if there's a number next to UFC, there's gonna be a belt on the line, whether it makes any sense or not. This is the second time Derek has been thrown into a patchwork title fight, simply save a card. Just like his bout with Daniel Cormier at UFC 230. Gaon dominated the fight to take meaningless temporary gold. Defeating Lewis would have made him the clear number one anyway, really emphasizing just how completely pointless this whole exercise was. But hey, the poster for the unification bout will now have two belts on it. That's twice as many as normal. Number 5. Max Holloway vs. Anthony Pettis our next entry is the definition of just throwing a title into a fight because it's a main event, and if fans see a shiny gold belt on the poster, maybe they won't pirate it. UFC 206 was turning out to be a bit of a disaster. The card after the promotion's historic New York debut was meant to be headlined by Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson 2 for the light heavyweight title, but the champ was forced out, and so there were talks to have Johnson take on Gegard Mousasi, my guess is for an interim title. But Rumble was like, nah, I'll just wait for a real championship fight. And so two weeks before the show, the card had no main event, but a couple of solid undercard bouts. Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown, and 
and Max Holloway versus Anthony Pettis. That's when the UFC came up with the most ridiculous of solutions. See, Conor McGregor had become the double champ the pay-per-view prior, and in his absence at featherweight, Jose Aldo was the current interim champion. Since McGregor had moved up, and it looked like his days at 145 pounds were all but done, the UFC decided two weeks before UFC 206 to strip McGregor, upgrade Aldo to Undisputed, and then on the pay-per-view, have Holloway and Pettis compete for a new interim featherweight title. So yes, two weeks after being made officially the Undisputed featherweight champion, the UFC had an interim title fight between Max and Showtime, just because it would look good on a poster. The completely meaningless title was won by Blessed in the third round, who would win the unification bout with Aldo that next summer. Number 4. Frank Shamrock vs. John Lober 2 in the late 1990s, the UFC wasn't exactly stacked to the gills like it is today. There weren't 700 fighters on the roster, there may not even have been 700 UFC-level fighters in the world at that time, and so finding opponents for champions during that era could often be tricky. Pat Miletic defended his welterweight title against Andre Pedaneris at UFC 21 in what was the Brazilian's second-ever MMA bout. And while that's pretty rough, without question the embodiment of meaningless title fights from that era is Frank Shamrock versus John Lober at UFC Brazil. The two had met before in 1997, with Lober shockingly coming out on top at Super Brawl 3. Shamrock broke the dude's ankle and knocked his teeth out, but the machine, as he was known, pretty solid nickname, somehow endured and pulled out a split decision victory over an exhausted Frank. From there, their paths would diverge greatly. Shamrock would go on to be one of the all-time great UFC champions and not lose another bout for a decade. Lober would drop nine of his next 14 and never beat anybody of significance again. It was during a run of five losses and a draw that the UFC decided, what a perfect time for these two to rematch. Shamrock was on his third light heavyweight title defense at the time and ran right through Lober on his way to a TKO less than eight minutes in. John had earned a razor-thin split decision in their first fight despite being mangled, and most certainly had no business fighting for gold against Shamrock in their rematch when he did. But it was bad times, you had to do what you had to do. Doesn't make that title victory any more meaningful though. Number three, Michael Bisping versus Dan Henderson too. On paper, Michael Bisbean versus Dan Henderson in a rematch of their iconic UFC 100 showdown for the middleweight title made all the sense in the world. There were so many interesting stories. The bout would be Henderson's swan song after a legendary career, Bisbean, who after a decade of struggling, had finally reached the pinnacle of the sport, and he would be getting a chance to avenge his most devastating defeat in front of a sold-out Manchester crowd at UFC 204. The bout itself was fantastic, too, a bloody back-and-forth that earned fight of the night, and was a fitting end to both Hendo's career, coming so close to gold yet again, and the rivalry the two fighters shared. There was just one problem, though. Dan Henderson had absolutely no business in that fight whatsoever. He was ranked 13th in the division at the time of the bout. 13th. He was 2-3 and three in his last five. His victory prior, a win over Hector Lombard, who had just lost and would go on to lose every fight for the rest of his career. Meanwhile, the likes of Jacare, Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero, Gegard Masasi, and Robert Whitaker, who all would have been viable title contender choices, were apparently all unavailable. Middleweight was stacked, and instead the UFC threw together a nostalgia show for the sake of how it looked on paper. One of the most egregious and blatant attempts the promotion has ever made to undermine their own title's legitimacy. Number 2. John Jones vs. Chael Sonnet when you look at the resume of John Jones, he truly has had a remarkable run, defeating the best of the previous generation, his generation, and even some of the future. But that doesn't mean that all of his title fights are of equal importance. Who could forget when he fought Ovin St. Preux for interim light heavyweight gold after a scheduled bout with Daniel Cormier had to be postponed due to injury, a belt that would lose what little meaning it had when Jones was stripped prior to UFC 200. But the most egregious title challenger in his rogues gallery of foes is without question Chael Sonnen. It's a testament to how good the American gangster is at marketing for the middleweight who had 
just lost to Anderson Silva to then turn around and get a title fight with John Jones at light heavyweight nine months later, following a season where the pair would coach the ultimate fighter. Sonnen's last bout at 205 pounds was seven years previous. This all stemmed from the disaster that was the cancellation of UFC 151. After Dan Henderson pulled out of the main event against Jones late, the UFC scrambled to find a replacement with Chael coming through. But John declined the fight on such short notice, and so the pay-per-view was scrapped entirely. Afterwards, Sonnen went on a media tour of sorts, calling out the champion for ducking him and ruining the event. Given his massive popularity, the UFC decided pairing him up with Jones made sense even though it made no sense at all. So following their season of tough, the two threw down at UFC 159, with the result being what you would expect. A first round TKO for the champ. JBJ's toe would never be the same though, undefeated and undisputed. Number 1. Jermaine Durandamy versus Holly Holm What's really messed up about the inaugural UFC Women's Featherweight title is that it felt illegitimate as soon as the bout was announced, and things only got worse from there. It was no secret that the division was being created by the UFC in the first place simply for Chris Cyborg, and so for her to be absent of its initial title fight already made the belt feel as if it didn't have the meaning it should. Cyborg was clearly the best 145-pounder in the world. This wasn't even a question, but at the time the fight was made, Chris was working through a bogus suspension by USADA where she would receive a retroactive therapeutic use exemption, but the UFC 208 bout was already a go. And so Holly Holm would take on Jermaine Durandamy for the first ever women's featherweight title. The bout couldn't have gone worse. Durandamy twice hit Holm after the horn, creating controversy over the victory as no points were taken, and the bout was otherwise very close on the judges' scorecards. So we're at two strikes here. Cyborg isn't in the first title fight, and the winner earns it in controversial fashion. Here comes strike three. Citing Chris's previous PED usage, something that happened five years previous in a different organization, GDR refused to fight Cyborg, and so was stripped after 128 days as champion. Chris would go on to win the title in a bout with Tanya Evinger, a last-minute replacement for Megan Anderson. Things finally got on track for the women's 145-pound title after that, but it stood on some seriously rocky ground right out of the gate. A big ol' shout-out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at CoolToMe underscore. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.